Boston throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Friday, everybody. We're rolling in here at Coast to Coast. And like Ronan always likes to say, there's only one place to start. My guy is sitting here for the first time. I'll, I'll have everybody know this is the first time I've ever seen you suit up in your New York Knicks jersey here. So uh, it's, it's nice for you to show out when it's convenient for you. But uh, I got to give you congrats. It was a great team win by the Knicks last night, ruining Joakim Noah night, um, which is the biggest tragedy, in my opinion. But uh, what, what do you say? Bing bong. Must feel pretty good this morning, huh? Uh, yeah, especially uh, the fact that we tried our best to gift you the win after you guys <laughs> playing so poorly. Uh, but yeah, th- th- those are the ones that you, you, you're you're dying towards in the last few seconds thinking, oh my God, we've actually blown this. And then a good bit of d- defense at the very end and uh, and we get away with a W and then you're like, all right, that's one of those wins that you really enjoy because it was a graft at the end. We did our best to lose it, but we came out on the right side of it. And that's something that wasn't going to happen a couple of years ago. Yeah, leave it to Kemba Walker to just really do the most asinine things late in really close games. Uh, he, <laughs> I, It was just a couple of games ago you see him give up a three when it was a three-point game. And then you see him go ISO against Alex Caruso, our best defender, and he just gets absolutely swallowed in in the paint. Like, I thought it was going one way, but I I guess let's talk about the game as a whole. Let's take a quick little overview, because I thought this game meant a lot for a lot of reasons. I mean, sentimentally, it's Joakim Noah night. This is the night where Joakim Noah signs his one-day contract, finally returns as a bull to retire the same night. Um, so it was a great celebration just to see all the faces there, see all the connections to him, Taj. I mean, thinking about USC as well, like you have those those connections on the court between Taj, Vooch, and DeRozan. And then you have that college connection between Joakim Noah and Billy Donovan. Obviously, Tibbs is there. Derek Rose is there. Um, so just an amazing night. But in terms of right now, it was funny that we talked about it last year a lot, about how the Knicks and the Bulls are coming up in an important way. Things are coming together this season where you know, these games matter between these two teams. These are two teams that are fighting for what they both think is their rightful spot as, you know, the best of tier two. Because everyone knows it's the Nets. Everyone knows it's the Bucks. But who, who's who's tier two? Um, so it's a great battle. And I, I don't know, what, what did you see early on from the Knicks? Because they really had it rolling um, to start the game. Their three-point shot was hot. Yeah, we 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 kind of started a little bit slow, and then we 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 got into our groove uh, 
after about a minute or two of the first quarter and we really started to to kind of dig the nail in that's where we first started to build up our first lead and I think we led pretty much the whole way from there almost but it was finding the open shooters that was a big thing last night the ball movement was good and we just attacked the weaknesses of the Bulls which was a good sign a sign of of good coaching from uh from Tom Thibodeau. I mean, the event attacking the rim that we did, RJ Barrett, especially, he was attacking, he was playing aggressive. And that's mm, because absolutely he knew he absolutely. could get in there and he could do that. And that was his best way of scoring. He was able to do it. And pretty much all the Knicks, if they were if they were if they had any sort of opening in the lane, they were attacking that rim. And that was uh that was a big reason for getting the dub last night. Yeah, I mean the, the Knicks go seven to seventeen in the first half, um shooting forty one percent from three. And, you know, you, you really love to see it from Kemba, how aggressive he's been uh, shooting the three. Um, he's looked a lot better. He looks like he has a lot more lift. He has a lot more spry coming off those handoffs. And I think the thing that was tough for me is watching him and Fournier get open shots consistently. And that was just something that Don was willing to let go. And Barrett, I mean, that was something we talked about all season last year not feeling super confident in him shooting from the wing. That, that felt like a weakness for him. That felt like something that he was being, it was a square peg and round hole, expecting him to become a wing scorer like that, when that really wasn't his game, to be a wing shooter. And this year, he's looked super confident with it. His form looks better. And you know he, he only attempted two threes there, but to attack the closeouts the way he's been doing, now that the scouting board is there, people know that he can shoot that. The way that he's attacking the closeouts, the way he's getting to the paint, and he is strong. I mean, we've a lot of people forget how strong he is because I don't think he's really had a good handle getting into the paint last year. He was terrible in the past few years uh, scoring inside. But to see him put that together, to see him get the – I mean, he talked about it in the offseason, getting his core strength together, working on finishing the paint. You're seeing it come together. And on a night where Julius Randle is barely doing anything and he had two points in the first half, one of four, I, I don't think he hit a three all game. Um, but for Barrett to come in and play like that, that was huge. Yeah, it was big. I think uh, up until those last three minutes where the Knicks did not score the basketball and Randall was that was that was the there's an issue with the Knicks just to to go on it there. The, the the pathetic closing out of that game, that's something they gotta work on. That's something that Randall is uh Still very much new to being the guy when it, when you need to close out the win because there was a lot of times where he's just forcing that ball up, forcing himself to make try and make plays when he was having an ice cold night. Give it to the guy with the hot hand. Give it to Kemba. Even give it to RJ the way that he was playing last night. That's something that that Randall's really got to work on on the Knicks as a whole closing out the game. But the way Randall played for the most part. He went 13, 16, and 9. He was just one assist shy of a, of a triple-double in the end. And his sharing of the ball, he, he noticed that they were double-teamed when they were fully focused on just shutting him down and thinking that would be enough almost to, to disrupt this Knicks offense. And he was attacking the rim, kicking the ball out. The team were making threes. Other guys were get, scoring the ball. And that's a big reason why this was arguably one of Randall's best performances of the season so far. Yeah, because and in a night where he goes 3 everything. for 11, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I think the Knicks did a lot better dealing with those double teams because they had a lot more motion off the ball. They had a lot more cutting. Um, they had a lot of uh, off-ball screening to get 
guys like Evan Fournier and Walker open while Randall's handling the ball in the mid post. And that's something that I didn't see a lot of for the Bulls. And it was tough because every time Levine's getting the ball, Tibbs is sending that blitz. He's set on this pick and roll. He's sending the double team. And there wasn't enough movement. I, I didn't think we had enough movement there. And I think that's been something he's identified. Because you even look at the last few games playing against the, just the Pistons, the Cavs, and the Pelicans playing against defenses that are not going to be nearly as competitive as the Knicks. Cause there's, there's so many levels in the NBA. You know, when you, when you play against a bad defense, like the Pelicans, that is just worlds apart from playing the Knicks. Cause that is a legitimate defense that is going to game you, that is going to be disciplined on every possession. You saw it. And Levine wasn't able to do anything with it. Cause I don't think this team has gelled enough yet on that end of the floor. I don't think there's a, a good enough feel. You still see some of these passes, um, from Vooch that aren't quite there yet, DeRozan that aren't quite there yet. Um, so, I mean, that, that's something that's going to come along. It, it's going to come along, but impressive defense from the Knicks to be holding this team that, you know, they have good scores and they did really well just using their length, um, especially against Vooch. Vooch, I thought, could have had a, a much better game, but the way that they were able to rotate to what should have been open guys, it really confused him. And it, those were not rotations that we were facing in the preseason or in the past few games. So to face that was, I think, a real test of how smooth this offense can be. And it's clear it needs a little bit of work. Yeah, definitely. And I think one guy I just want to shout out on the Knicks side is Taj Gibson. He was obviously inspired on his return to uh, yeah, of course, yeah. to Chicago. He really he only played 20 minutes, but he was a real difference maker for us on the, on the defensive end and on the offensive end. It was just a hustle plays diverting shots all that sort of thing and it, and it was really big uh for while he was covering for uh for mitchell robinson but i think last night we kind of saw the real alonzo uh, there there the, the shooting struggles uh, the real alonzo <laughs> they, they were they were they were bad there two of eight from the field one of one of six from three i mean that's that's where you need a guy like kobe white coming off the bench out of yeah. scoring that was a, that was a miss that was a real noticeable factor for the Bulls last night obviously now we, we found out they've now lost Patrick Williams likely for the season with a, di- with a dislocated wrist that's a big blow he had a few he had a few bright spots he was kind of struggling a bit on defense last night but there was a few plays where he was showing up and, and getting aggressive on the offensive end and then it was unfortunate that uh, he had to go down the way that he did but I think like you're saying it's still not all there on the offensive end that will come because they have such talented offensive players and a, and a great coach but DeRozan's definitely uh definitely a bit short. His mid-range game is not what it what you'd expect it to be, but that will come as the season progresses. But that play at the end, that was that was showing a bit of disrespect to uh, RJ Barrett as a defender. I think he was he ex- had him. He was he expecting to get him up. He was expecting he, to get him up, and then he didn't. yeah. He was expecting to get him off feet, and he was gonna he was gonna take the foul maybe, and then take the take the free throws and get the dub, but. I think that was a little. That was a little bit of uh, just him showing is is the fact that he's just not not at one hundred percent just yet on on the offensive end there, DeRozan. But again, Barrett showing his credentials as a defender. I mean, I, DeRozan's been playing great. I mean, he was he was a closer against Toronto last game, and he absolutely was instrumental in keeping that lead alive. And you know, down the stretch, same same thing. The early fourth quarter, what did we need? We needed an isolation bucket, and we got that from DeRozan. And I. And I don't think that the way that we were putting shooters around DeRozan, Tibbs isn't willing to, you know, double on an empty side isolation. 
But that on that particular play, he had him there. And I think that hesitation came from, again, this is all chemistry because Vooch didn't stay in the post. Vooch kicked out to the corner. He played out to the corner, and that brought Mitchell Robinson there. So, I mean, you, you have Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett in your face. I mean, you're missing that 99 times out of 100. So, well, not completely missing the missing the rim like he did. <laughs> Again, I mean, <laughs> yeah, pump, pump fake having both those guys in your face. I mean, those, those are long, long defenders. That's a lot of arms in front of you. But, you know, we face you guys a few more times this year. That, that's going to be a matchup that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, the broadcaster's talking about it. You need to bring back some rivalries here. And I, I don't think there's a lot of personal storylines between these two teams, but they just have such a similar makeup. And I think they're really going to have a, they're going to have an interesting uh, uh, season against each other. Um, and, we ha- and, we hope it, and we hope it's a playoff battle, maybe. Uh, I hope so. That'll be really I hope fun. so. That'll be amazing. Yeah. Um, playoff, playoff Derek Rose. A lot of confused fans on who to cheer for, I don't I think. I love um, the reception he got, though. That was, that was awesome. I uh, always. A little bit more history happening this week. Recent history, that is. Memphis Grizzlies and Golden State Warriors. Remember what happened in the play-in last year. Grizzlies claimed their spot, kicking out the Warriors. And this time... This is the first time they've seen each other. And it was a real close game, real close game. You saw John Morant again go for 30 points. And you see Steph Curry again struggle in the fourth quarter. Um, a lot of things to take from this. I mean, I'm going to harp on how amazing the Grizzlies have been because that's I'll take every opportunity I can because this team is, is doing a lot of things. Um, first of all, you got to shout out the fact that in terms of efficiency rating, this is the best five-man lineup in the league. This is the best five-man lineup in the league, undeniably. And they have the best front-court rotation in the league as well. Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams, they are the best plus-minus center position in the entire league when they're staggering and when they're both on the court. I mean, they're doing amazing things. Jaron Jackson has been shooting a plus 40% from three. He's been able to space the floor. And that's something that I want to see change a little bit. But um, I I don't know what you thought of, of Golden State. But the problems from last year seem to continue on a little bit where they just don't have enough creation outside of Steph. And to expect Poole to do it right now just feels a little bit too soon. Yeah, the the turnovers were just a, a huge, huge issue for, for Golden State. Someone with 22 turnovers, which led to 22 points for, uh, for Memphis. And in the third quarter, it was all Draymond. Draymond Green in the third quarter was either turning the ball over or making a great defensive play. He, he made a few of them, but the turnovers were just, were just dreadful. You think he had five in total. And I think at least four of them could have been in the third alone. That was when Memphis really got, got into gear, but that's, that's why you need a guy like, like clay coming back. You, you want to see what Moses Moody, for example, might, might be able to do as a rookie, but, there's certain issues that with Golden State that are still coming up, and that's why you still you see people going on like, oh, Golden State are back. They're going to get Clay back. They're going to go all the way and all that. It, it's not quite there yet. They're, they're definitely looking improved, and when Clay comes back, it's going to be huge for them. But the turnovers, just the fluidity outside of Steph, when Steph is, we say, having an off night. The only reason he's having an off night just because he didn't score in the fourth quarter overtime. He was still... 36, seven and eight. Yeah, that's still uh, still okay. And the shots he was making were still outrageous. Like that one leg of three that he did. Like, what the hell was that? How do you how do you even <laughs> do that? Like, and that's just normal for him now. But Memphis just were awesome on the defensive end, especially. They they really 
limited Golden State, and especially with get them getting to the line. I think they they really cut down on that, and that's why it ended up being such a low scoring game. Defense of Memphis was really impressive. Absolutely, uh, Desmond Bain, Anthony Melton. I've been I've been harping on them. They, they've they've been the best one two punch to be play alongside John Ray. This three guard lineup, I mean, defensively and offensively, it, it, it's been amazing. Um, yeah, nineteen. You said it. Nineteen turnovers for the starters alone 22 turnovers overall but 19 turnovers 10 between Steph Curry and Jamon Green you'd you like to see a little bit more out of Wiggins too I mean he's yeah, been their he's been their best best uh fourth quarter scorer over the past few games and for him to score 16 points on 15 shots to get to the line only twice I mean that that's a big problem for for honestly both these teams um but for the Warriors in particular no one's getting to the line except for Steph. Um, only five free throw attempts outside of Steph going seven for seven. And th- that's just the thing. I, I don't see, you know, when when Steph is on, when things are rolling and they're able to get into their actions and to when Steph just gets hot, I mean, that's what it's all about for this team. Are they just going to live and die by Steph all year long? Can they do something else? And that's where I want to see if Wiseman comes back, if he's healthy, can they expose other teams with his athleticism getting to the getting to the rim i mean that, that's a weapon that I, I hope they get into even arrivals like Otto porter jr i mean is it crazy for me to expect him to do more than just he just feels like a fringe rotation player right now not doing anything when just two years ago i he would have been expected to be a good starting wing and there's just no no real production out of him so there, there's gonna be ways to go here but I, I think it's it's showing that the Warriors have such a delta. There's such a difference between what they could be and what they might more realistically be if this is how they play on a night-to-night basis. And I think for the Grizzlies, I, I'm going to stick with it that I'm picking them over. I'm picking them over the Warriors over the course of the season. But this is going to be an up and down. We'll, we'll see it. If if Steph is going seven for twenty from three instead of ten for twenty, I mean that that's the difference in this game. One shot. Yeah, this is definitely there's 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 something there's something in the air when these two play after the playing game, and then again last night like it's it's something that you'd like to see go down and in a, in a best of seven. There's no uh, there's no doubt about that. But again, Memphis just just so impressive, the offensive variety that they showed, and the first run that they really made was with their second unit, which shows mm-hmm. how impressive they are when they're still such a young young uh, young group and they're. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. was kind of he was kind of leading the, the second unit uh, for the most part last night, but I think Stephen Adams really showed his importance to that team. One thing I hated the whole night though, the commentators kept calling them Stevie Adams, and I really I was not having that <laughs> at all. That was really that was really kind hurting my ear. Kind of ring to it. Uh, the screens he was setting is it defense just his strength. The screens that he was setting to get Morant, Morant open looks in the mid-range were so huge because that's that's how Morant got scoring. He only had seven points in the first half and then went off for 18 in the third quarter. And that was coming off the back of Stephen Adams' screens and making that those mid-range shots. It was so impressive. I was really surprised, actually. I don't know if Adams on a minutes restrictions or what, but obviously the Memphis got the win in the end, but he was Adams was the key to to Morant's scoring in this game for, for the most part. And I was surprised we didn't really see him 
for the fourth quarter or, or overtime. I think that the Grizzlies might have had it a bit more comfortable had, had he uh, had he been on the court, but shows the importance of the, that deal that they made. But obviously, Jaron Jackson Jr. is the main guy, and you hope he's learning from Adams. Obviously, you can't learn how to be as big or as strong as other people, but he, he needs to be able to play that role for Morant as well. And just on, on Morant, I mean, that little spin move and finish to ultimately seal the <laughs> it in overtime yeah. was just unbelievable. There was nothing on there. There was really nothing on there. And he just went and made something out of nothing. And then at the end, the little bit of the, the little bit of like the movement he had to avoid contact, you know, when he was dribbling it out and they tried to foul him and they did. They oh my god, it's like playing tag. You could <laughs> <laughs> it was ridiculous that the movement. The way he's able to angle his body and the, the foot speed and everything, it's just, it's so impressive. And, you know, he's out there playing with that chip on his shoulder when he was saying after, he's like, I had to average 35 points for people to actually think of me as even being mentioned as an all-star. So he's obviously going out there every night and saying, I'm showing up here. You better take notice. But again, Grizzlies just... A great unit, great young unit, Amarant. He's he's on the cusp of, of, of stardom. There ain't no doubt about that. Yeah, man. And I, I think uh, just to finish finish our points here um, on that, I, I definitely think he's got a legit – it's really tough in the Western Conference to get into the All-Star game. But the way he's playing, I mean, that that's undeniable. And just looking at how he's on the court, for him to be confidently pulling it from mid-range, took four good shots right right outside the box and for him to be exploring that in his pick and roll game because now you've got them going over screens they're not just going under screens every time they're keeping him on he's keeping them honest and the deep threes he's been taking that like that's that's what's been nuts to me I, watching him take deep threes like that is this early on in his development as a shooter um, it's scary. <laughs> it's scary. And, it, it, and he, actually he, struggled, he actually struggled from deep last night, but the two he made were deep. They were really deep. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is that when he, he's, he's struggling, but he's taking them and, and teams are taking note. And the fact is if you watch how he's being defended, things are changing and it's opening up his pick and roll game tremendously. Like the fact that a defender has to go over and he's getting good screens from Adams and he can start to snake the pick and roll. He just has so many more options now that the defense has to actually consider his three-point shot and shout out to Adams because he's been tremendous this season. I mean, he's, he's been first in offensive rebounds. He's fifth in rebounding overall and second in assists among centers and his playmaking too. It's always been a unheralded part of his game, but exciting time for the, both these teams. I, I, I think you flip both of these uh, matchups together, the Bulls and the Knicks and the Warriors and the Grizzlies. And we have Really interesting parody in the uh, the middle of the pack, uh, both the Eastern and Western Conference. Yeah, we got to talk the, the top now. We got to talk yeah. the top. The, oh, yeah. the Heat, Heat of the Nets. We were paying attention to this game. This is going to be a slugfest in the, in the playoffs. Um, I, as a, a personal owner of uh, James Harden stock, as a team manager in fantasy sports of Harden, this is a, it's a little scary and, and I've, I've, I've done my best to talk myself out of it. And I think I've done a good job talking myself out of it, but are you starting to panic yet for Harden and the Nets a little bit, a lot, maybe not at all? Panic? No, the thought is definitely there though. The worry is definitely there though. And, and it's real and it's, and it all goes back to one guy and then it's that 
dope Kyrie Irving, but Harden again. He who will not be named. <laughs> Harden does not look totally in shape. He looks like he's missing Kyrie a bit. Uh, definitely looks like he's missing a bit of Mike D'Antoni on the bench. And I'm sure Steve Nash is missing that too. And the foul changes, that seems to be having an impact on his game. But unfortunately, the main thing I'm looking at is it's coming back to Kyrie because I think Harden liked the fact that it was mainly Kyrie and Durant doing all the scoring and he just had it handy as the point guard last season. And it worked big for them. And he could just, he was going off for 20 odd points, uh, eight, nine uh, boards, eight, nine assists without really having to do any work. Now he's going to have to start doing some work again. I just don't think that's, that's registered with him yet. Yeah. What's I think the most concerning thing is not, not just the workload. So I, I think he's there for it. I mean, being in the Rockets with the Rockets, I mean, Harden had to manage everything. I mean, he was, it was a completely heliocentric offense. Everything ran through him and, you know, everyone's just standing still watching Harden go to work and get a double. And that's where everything starts. So everything's so different here in the net. So for him, I mean, he has to be, I mean, when it comes to the scoring, let's not even talk about the, the free throws or whatever. I, I think it's being overblown a little bit. There's some, there's some truth to it, but I think Harden's a smart player. He's going to figure it out. Every time that you, you see these clips of him trying to flop and trying to get a call, it's not because he's not out of position. Like he's already made the play. He's already beaten Butler. He's already beaten out of bio. He's already beaten Lowry, he's beat them off the dribble. And he's just registering in his head to get a foul. How much of that changes for a guy who's made that a part of his offensive identity for the past three, four years, five years, six years. That might be tough, but I, I think he will figure it out. But the biggest thing for me is who else is playmaking on this team? Nobody. I mean, Durant, Durant's going to do that naturally within the flow of the game, but the primary playmaker for this team is always going to be James Harden until Kyrie Irving comes back. So he's not going to be a 30-point-per-game scorer because his, his shot diet, he's not going to be taking 10 step-back threes anymore. I mean, this is not a team full of young guys everywhere. There are veterans on this team, and this is not James Harden's team. James Harden is not here to play that way, so... I don't know if unless things change, I'm pretty confident at this point that Harden's not going to ever be a 30 point per game scorer in a Nets uniform. I just don't think that that is what he's here for. That's not what he's in Brooklyn for. Um, the shot percentage, I mean, that, that, that'll regress to the mean that that'll get better. Um, but it, I mean, dude, it is concerning. It, it is concerning to, to see that the flow of the game change for him this quickly um, a lot of people have argued maybe they should do scrimmages in the offseason to show players how these rule changes work, but it's clearly had an effect on his play style. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, am, I am a little concerned if if Kyrie does not come back, how do they look? Because I'm not as confident as I was at the beginning of the season saying that they were odds-on favorites. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've started two, two and three. They've had the similar sort of start to... Uh to uh, the LA boys, uh, the Lakers uh, over in the West. And it's mainly they've kind of lost the three games that they've been beaten in. It's kind of all against teams that have had fairly strong starts. The first one was against 
Milwaukee. There was just so much energy. It was it was ring night for Milwaukee. It was always going to be so hard for uh, for Brooklyn to get out of there uh, with uh, with a dub. They gone down to Charlotte and then they they just got they got blitzed really by by Miami. Miami just took it uh, really took advantage of them on the whole to to put a bit of put a bit of light on the the impressive Miami performance really. Uh, Jimmy Butler had just an all an all around Jimmy Butler sort of game, you know. Uh, 17, 14, and 7. He was stepped up with four steals. He, he he looked good and he looked like he was in control control of this game. But they're a top defensive side. We know that they kind of just swallowed up the nets, but something the, the bench was a big thing for me. The bench scoring. Hero and Deadman alone outscored the Brooklyn Nets bench. Brooklyn Nets bench total was 21 points. Hero goes for 14 points, eight boards. Deadman goes for 14 points, nine boards. That's a that's a huge plus off the bench. And really, if it's not Patty Mills scoring off the bench for Brooklyn, you you don't really have much confidence in any scoring outside of that. Yeah, I mean, I want to see more Cam Thomas. Give Cam Thomas a chance. And there's a little bit more shot creation there. And I, he's shown it in preseason, albeit it's just preseason. Shown in the summer league, albeit it's just summer league. But you gotta, you have time as the Brooklyn Nets. You have time to experiment with things. You know, you're not risking a lot when you have, you have a lot of room for error when you have James Harden and Kevin Durant on the floor. Um, and in terms of this game, it's just tremendous that the Miami Heat are, it's the only team in the league that's going to shoot sub, they're going to shoot 27% from three and beat the Brooklyn Nets like that. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me at all. And I mean, the, you keep going to Tyler hero. He's looked good, even though he doesn't have his shot on from three. Um, he just looks so much more confident getting to the bucket. Mm-hmm. It, it, it felt, it feels like there is a significant difference in his confidence this year. Um, and I just want to see something from Duncan Robinson though. Yeah. No, That's my thing. That. Yeah. yeah that, no one's talking about that contract, man. Um, but he is shooting a putrid 35% from the field, 31% from three. And that is your sharpshooter. That, that's your sharpshooter who just got paid. So I don't see what other value he's bringing to the team. I mean, his rebounding is all right. I mean, he's, he's an okay playmaker. He's not doing anything off the dribble. He's not defending it's it's tough to really justify the contract he got when you could have got like a minimum guy like Ellington. I, I don't know it, the way this that contract played out. That'll be that'll be weird. That'll, that'll be a weird contract to deal with if he's taking a serious tip this year. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's something that's only going to be noticed though for the most part if Miami have a have a surprising dip, which I I don't think that they will have. I think there will be a, a top four team in the East. And, and in that sense, I don't think there is going to be too much light put on, on Duncan Robinson's performances because I think guys around him are going to do enough to just just take uh, take all the animosity, take all take all the light and, and shine it on, the, on themselves. But I think you're right. I mean, if he is not being their sharpshooter, he's not really offering much. I mean, that's why he got paid because – he is capable of being a dead eye three point shooter, but yeah, if he's not doing it, you're gonna be like, "You guys, damn, you guys, damn, messed up here." And his agent is a freaking genius. <laughs> well, I, I don't know uh, who that agent is, but he should have been representing Schroeder. He should have been out uh, representing Maryland's Noel. 
they should be giving him a call. Yeah, I think so. We're going going back to Brooklyn, I think I, I'm looking at, at Steve Nash here. I'm he's going to have to show if he's a legit coach this year. I think last year he had D'Antoni beside him, and you kind of think how much control did D'Antoni have? I'd say it was probably a decent amount, even if it wasn't coming straight from his mouth. It was going into Nash's ear and coming right out the same way. This is this is his first ever job as a coach. We still don't know if he is legit and it's kind of time. Are we the... still questioning Steve Nash? What has he done? I don't know. Not be questioned. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, he, uh, he's, he's responsible for Bruce Brown. I'll give him that. Okay. He's, yeah. he's, uh, he's been responsible for how, how Harden looked last year. And I mean, he totally changed and I, I don't know, is, is that a D'Antoni thing? It, it's always tough with these, these coaching things. We were just going to – it was always – this was a tough position with Nash because he was always going to be discredited last year because of the presence of D'Antoni on the bench, and he was always going to be credited with the failures because he's new. But, I mean, I think what it comes down to this year is just execution. I mean, James Harden just needs to execute. Joe Harris needs to continue being a great shooter. Um, he needs to take more shots. I, I I don't think you, I don't think he's taking enough. I mean, in this game, he shot 11 three pointers, but his, his gravity as a shooter seems to have lessened since um, his payday last year. Um, yeah, it seems to have a lot of these shooters. Yeah. But in fairness, they are the Taris now, they're the all time leader and they're the all three pointers made for, for, for the Nets franchise. I think he's going to be a key member for their team all year long. There's no doubt about it. And if you don't want to let me, be mean to Steve Nash. <laughs> we'll just be real. No, no, no bad words about Steve we'll Nash. We'll just be podcast. real here. It all comes back to Kyrie Irving. It's just as simple as that. It's I know it's still early in the season. We're not really panicking too hard, but it's coming more and more clear that he was the glue for this team. I mean, when he was playing him and Kyrie, he or him and KD, sorry. Uh, he was the point guard and he was loving that. He was happy to play with KD. He said that KD is the first scorer. He was happy to hand off to because he was actually better than him. When he was playing with Harden, he just gave him the keys. You, you're the point guard. And he just played loose and he just balled out. When the three were all together, they were just killing games. Harden was enjoying it more. K- Kyrie and KD together, they balled out. Kyrie and Harden together, they killed games. It, it was easy. Now Kyrie's gone. It's it's just not as fluid as it was. There, there's something missing, and it's Kyrie. And that guy just needs to be watching this. And God damn it, just cop on, get yourself vaccinated, and come back and play he, some goddamn ball. <laughs> he's not gonna. He's not gonna. And I, I, he, he and Ben Simmons are the the topics that I've tried to avoid the most because they're just frustrating and they're they're things that are out of control. And you know what we want to see is is the things on the court. And you know, I, I honestly think I I really believe this. I don't know when they're gonna go to it, but Cam Thomas is a short term answer. I I don't I don't know what it I don't know what social media spiel it's going to take for Kyrie Irving to finally turn things around and you know frankly I'm not even interested you know if, if he's not interested in being there then I don't care to talk about it but Cam Thomas you know I, I think that's a guy who who could who could add something and fulfill some of these missing moments where you know there's not 
I mean, it's crazy to say that that there are moments where it doesn't feel like there's enough creation when you got guys like James Harden and Kevin Durant on the floor. But you know, outside outside of them, I mean, again, where, where are you getting the playmaking from? Nowhere. So, I mean, give Cam Thomas a chance. That's all I'm saying. All right, Steve, you heard it here first. I won't say anything bad about you if you give Cam Thomas a goddamn a goddamn shot. Let's let's see let's <laughs> see what he can let's see what he can provide. You got you've got you've got the wiggle room when you got your superstars. Let's see. Let's see what a young guy like him can do. All right, send the pod, Ron. I, I I need to hear you say it, and I, I've been I've been heard you say it. I've been heard you tweet it. I've been heard you text it. I don't even know if you're actually a true New York fan if you don't say it. Those magic two words. What do you want me to say? I'm not saying I'm a. I don't. I don't want to pander to you. I'm not going to be. I'm Bing bong, baby. I'm not, I'm not one of those. I'm not Bing bong. The New York I'm Knicks are back. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Man. say that when we win a playoff series. <laughs> so, so, someone out there tweeted that <laughs> two, last year there was only seven depressed scalp ticket scalpers outside of the garden, and then now you got all these crazy ass people out there. But I love it. I love it. I'll take. I will take an L against Tibbs in the Knicks because I got huge respect for him. But next time, next time it's not happening the same. I'm pretty sure next time it's in the garden. So I think it's very much going to happen the same, but outside of that, I'll enjoy, I'll take the dub for now. Good to talk about some of the big games that are going on. There's plenty more to come. We're still only early in the season and the games are coming fast and furious and I'm loving every minute of it. Yep. Happy Halloween, everybody. Everybody take care. Peace. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment. <laughs>